Baruch Hashem, Nisim, it's great to be here. Shavua Tov to you. And Shavua Tov to all our beautiful and gorgeous and precious Jewish listeners out there all over the world uh, on J Radio Land. And we are uh, coming to you live from the uh, studios over here. And we've been coming to you for uh, many years now. And uh, we appreciate your uh, support, certainly. And we needed it more than ever in order to continue these beautiful uh, uh, programs, these enlightening and uh, exciting programs of uh, Torah and Ms. Torah and also radio and music, Jewish music, to come to be continuing to come your way through uh, the auspices of this station. We have just celebrated uh, this week a holiday, and Rosh Chodesh is a holiday. It's a holiday we should be appreciated because Hashem created the, actually, if you remember in uh, Day number uh, four of creation, he created the Meorot. Hashem created the Meorot. Meorot Katan, Meorot Agadol. Meorot Katan, Meorot Agadol. The Katan, that's the moon. And to tell us what? To tell us, if you read in the Pasuk, to give us the holidays. To tell us which holidays we have. And those holidays are for the benefit of the Jewish people, our Jewish nation. The whole Torah is for our benefit. And the whole world is also for our benefit, certainly. But we have to notice it. We have to notice those things. So every month we have a holiday. And you have a holiday that's uh, 12 months a year. We have a holiday. And that holiday is called Rosh Chodesh. We have to, we, in Rosh Chodesh, we have, a Jew has uh, many special things that we do for Rosh Chodesh to remind us that, number one, that Hashem gave us life for another month. Number one. A whole other month we have life. You should stop and think. We got life for another month. And what about thinking how much berachot we got for the last 30 days of life that we received? That's a very big thought we have to have for Rosh Chodesh. Every single Rosh Chodesh, we have to think that. How much beautiful life we got for the last 30 days. And then we, we not only life, you look at the life, how about the uh, food that you got, the eyesight, how about all the walking, you walk in the street, see some people in a wheelchair, Lo Aleno, or walking with a cane, Lo Aleno, but we're able to walk freely. And you see when you walk, one leg swings in front of the other almost effortlessly. Try to think about that. When you're walking, just it almost happens almost automatically. One It's on a pendulum, basically. Your your legs are on a pendulum, one in front of the other. And we had a, another month of thinking. Oh, thinking is a big thing. It's not automatic to think. It says, Atachonen Adam Da'at. Hashem is, is giving us a gift. So that's why we say, Atachonen. Because people tend to think that it's an automatic. People tend to think, well, uh, you know, I'm born, I can think. Everybody can think. No, no, no. You have to know, I, I, I did it myself. I did it to myself. No, we say, in, in, it's the only one of the better. We say, atahonen, atah, we don't say, atarefanen, we say, refaenu. But over here we say, atahonen. Because you may think, a person may think that it's your own kochi ve'otsim yadi that's causing you to have this, these thinking and to have such, such, a, such a smart brain. You think it's you. No, atah. It's coming only from you. Atahonen. So we have to thank Hashem for that thinking. We are thanking for all these things. And that's really the, the essence of a Jew is gratitude, is to thank. The more you thank, the more you realize what you have to, that you have a lot to thank for. And the more you realize that it's, it's coming from a source. All these berachot is coming from somewhere. It's not coming from air. It's coming from a source. And this source is benevolent. And it's kind. And it loves you. Otherwise, it wouldn't going to send you all these gifts. Gifts of thinking, gifts of walking, gifts of seeing, Gift of food. How about the gift of getting up every morning? It's a big gift. So when we thank, we're able to gain emuna. 
that's the essence of emuna. That's why we say that hakarata tov, realizing what you're getting, that's the essence of emuna. That's how you strengthen your emuna that, that 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 somebody's giving it to, and then you come to ahaba. That's a high level. Ahaba means to love. You love the giver because you realize how good those things are that you're getting, and you you and innately, you you don't want to be an ingrate. You want to at least say thank you. That's the least you can do. Of course, even more than that, you can do what the giver would like you to do for him. Give him back a little bit, maybe more than a little bit. In our case, the giver Hashem, he would like you to do. 613 mitzvot, and it's for your benefit. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need it at all. But when you do those mitzvot, and you also uh, purify your character, which is a big, giant mitzvah in and of itself, then you become shalem. You become more perfect. And that's why we're reading, say, even in our parashah, we say, Yaakov Ishtam. Yoshev Oadim. Ishtam means, he wasn't a simpleton. He wasn't a simple guy. He was a shalem. He was a perfect person. Because he sat... In the tents, what tent? The tents of his father and his grandfather, Abraham Abinu and Yitzhak. Sat in the tent means he sat and he learned. He learned Torah. He learned Musar. He learned Yirat Shamayim. He learned Kibbut Abayim. Certainly respected his mother and father to the utmost and his grandfather. And those are, that's Midot, Midot Tovot. That's Hakaratatov. And that's what he was doing. That's how we became Shalem, perfect. We can do the same thing. That's the whole idea. To follow these models. Torah is not a storybook just for stories. It's we're telling us the stories of the greatest people that ever lived to follow the models of these people. And the, the, great, the greatest model we can follow is HaKadosh Baruch Hu to walk in his, in his ways. And the, our great our grace were walking in his ways. So when we follow them as models, we're also following the ways of Hashem because they followed in the ways of Hashem. What do you think Abraham Abinu was doing? He was following in the ways of Hashem. And so was it's always his Yitzhak and Yaakov and all the greats. So when we use these uh, live models to follow, we're actually following in the ways that's halachta bidrachav as well. We're following in the ways of Kadosh Baruch <clears throat> So we're also thanking for last month, we have about the free will. We have free will. We, uh, we can breathe, we can hear. And, and, and this is some of the things we're thanking for last month. That's Hakarat HaTov. That's Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh Kislev that we're in right now. And we ask Hashem for everything for next month, all the things we can ask Him for, because He's the one that can give it to us. The more you ask Him for, the more you're showing yourself that He can give it to us. Don't be shy now. Ask Him for everything. <clears throat> because He can give you everything. He's, everything comes from Him to begin with. So when you ask Him for everything, and of course, don't be arrogant. Don't be like Esav was. He told his father, you know, sit down, I'll give you the, you know, sit down and give me the berachot. No, you got to ask nicely. I said, please, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, I, I, I need this, I need that. Could you? I want to thank you first. First, you thank him. First, I want to thank you, and then you ask. Must thank first, then you can ask. <clears throat> the third aspect of Rosh Hashanah is improvement. Improvement, Ziman Kapara. That we say in the Musaf that it's a time for atonement. The best atonement is improvement. Improvement. That's Teshubah. Teshubah means to improve. Take something that you're doing pretty good. And do it a little bit better. Improvement. You're learning. So you're learning Torah. Of course you are. Learn for another few minutes, couple of minutes. Learn Torah, or, or, or think about what you learned. How about reviewing in your mind what you just learned? You just learned for a half an hour or twenty, whatever, however long you learned. Now stop at the end of your learning, and in your mind, or even with your mouth, say over in your, to yourself what you learned. Now that's an improvement, and that will cause your learning to be mekayem, 
that's like a person that learns 101 times not compared to a person that learns 100 times. So when you review it, even that one time in your mind or even with your mouth, then it's not, not enodome, enodome. <laughs> now, we said over this week, when we did the, uh, when we did the, we, we, we're going to talk about Oshkodesh a little bit, we said the Barachin Nafshi. Barachin Nafshi is a tremendous, tremendous mizmor, number Kuf Dalet. Kuf Dalet is 104. 104. And the Barachi King David wrote this with Ruach HaKodesh. He wrote everything. Ruach he was a prophet. He was a prophet. He was a king. He was the Rosh Hashiva. He was the, he was the big, greatest Torah teacher in, uh, in Klali Sale at the time. So, 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 so he writes the Barachi Nafshi many beautiful things and many secrets in there too. It's very long. It's a long mizmor. And it starts with Barachi Nafshi. At the end, it ends off. It says, Ashira la Hashem behayai. And, and it, it means in English, it means I should sing to Hashem when I'm alive and I should sing to Him in a different type of way as long as, as, long as I'm alive. So we also say in the Hodu, we say, King David says, So you see the same words, Ashira, Shiru, Zamera, Zamerulo, sing. So we have to sing when we're alive doesn't help to sing when you pass away then you have no free will of course what are the uh, people doing upstairs in Shemaim they're singing but they're singing only to the extent that they sang down here with their free will if they didn't sing over here with their free will sing means also thanking thanking singing Tehillim sing means also learning Torah a person learn Torah down here whatever they learn down here then they'll be able to learn it upstairs because that's what, what do you think they're doing they're not playing uh, tennis upstairs they're learning Torah upstairs the Gemara tells us. What are they doing upstairs? They are basking. They're enjoying. They're having benefit. Benefit. Pleasure is the word. They're getting pleasure from the Ziv from the emanation of the divine presence. Psh, unbelievable. Unbelievable thing. Getting benefit from the divine presence. Now, you won't. we won't know what that is until you get there. But... We have something to know that this is the greatest pleasure, more than the Perkav will tell you, more than all the pleasures of this world. One second of that pleasure is more than everything. Pleasure means illumination. It doesn't mean, uh, you know, like a workout pleasure. It means it means uh, opening up your mind, being able to understand. That's a big pleasure. When you're able to understand something, it's a tremendous pleasure. So Hashem is going to let us understand a little bit how He runs this world. Now, that's a big pleasure. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to tell, wanted to ask from, Moshe, ask from Hashem. Come tell me your ways. Show me your ways. What was he asking? He wasn't asking to see Hashem. He knows he can't see Hashem. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. He wanted Hashem to reveal to him a little bit more. A little bit more. Moshe Rabbeinu knew a lot, but he wanted to know a little bit more how he ran the world. Now, now, <clears throat> Again, we have the zechut of saying the Barachin Avshi. It's Tehillim 104, and it's very lengthy. And we have to know that the last word of the Barachin Avshi is Hallelujah. Now, if you go through all the Tehillim from the first word Ashri Ha'ish till all the way till number 104, you won't find that word till the last word in Barachin Avshi. That's very odd. And if it wasn't pointed out to me or you, you'd say it's impossible because you would think we all think that the word Hallelujah is the most prolific word in. The Tehillim. 
that it occurs everyone. In fact, when we when we read in the morning, you see Hallelujah many times, maybe six times at least, at least right there in the Pesukid It's a warm up to get get ready for the get ready for the Amidah for the Shmona Esrei. All that's a warm up how to to praise Hashem and to thank Hashem. But over here, Masechet Berachot, they also point out that it's not to the last word of the Berachin Hashem. That's a a big question. Why why did King David wait till that last word? So so the Gemara says that. Uh, that Moshe and David lo amru halel until acharei sharaum apalatam shereshaim. Moshe Rabenu and David Melech did not give shira, did not give full thanks, full appreciation, full, full thanks, full halelukah to Hashem until they saw apalatam shereshaim, until they saw the downfall of the wicked. When they saw the downfall of the wicked, then they said halelukah. In the case of Moshe. When he saw the Egyptian bodies washed up on the riverbed, not until then he said, Moshe." Then he sang like crazy. When he saw the downfall, he had to see it with his two eyes. He wanted to see it. He wanted to taste it. He wanted to smell it. He wanted to have emunah hoshit. That's called sensory perception. I don't think that's a cruel thing. It's not cruel. It's what Hashem wants you to do. He wants you, when you see these things, when you see terrorists being blown up, when you see terrorists that want to kill Jews and their bombs, they they uh, act against them and it blows in their face. We don't say, "Poor guy," you don't say, "No." You see it, saw it on a video. You say, "Wow, that's emunah chushit." You say, Hashem I get happy about that. When you see Haman hanging from the tree, if we were there in Persia. And Haman had the, the king's ring on his finger, and he had all the knives were sharpened. All the knives were sharpened. They were ready to go. All the Persians were ready to go. They were ready to slaughter all the Jewish men, women, and children. Yes, sir. And they had an incentive. The incentive was they're going to take their money and take their homes and take everything, just like the Lithuanians did. The Lithuanians did it, right? And the Polish, too. They did that stuff. Don't think it's any different today. They, when, they, when, when Hitler marched in, Hitler didn't even have to do his job. He gave a go-ahead to the Polish and Lithuanians to go ahead and ransack and kill and do, do what they did to the Jewish families and take their possessions. And they went ahead and did When they got the green light, then they went and did it with, even without the Nazis. They were worse than the Nazis. So, so we have to know, Moshe Rabbeinu and King David as well, he wanted to see the retribution of Hashem with his own two eyes. Very important to see it. And what happened when he saw when we saw Haman hanging from the tree? We didn't say we feel bad for Haman. We said we made the holiday. We made the we made the Purim. We said we, we were so happy. We threw a holiday. We called Purim. Haman was killed, and we see that Hashem took retribution on the wicked. And therefore, this is a time to. To be happy to 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 reveal why because we're seeing that there's a there's a judge in the world, yesh din yesh dayan he naseh shofet haaretz hashev gemul al geim King David says in the Elna Kamot he naseh we say every day he be be elevated you judge of the world hashev gemul bring retribution upon the wicked when we see that then they're able to say hadelukah so in the Barachin Avshi. Says Yitamu Chataim Min Aaretz Urshaim Odan Odenam. So, so King David says, when there's no more Reshaim and there's no more wicked and sinners, Yitamu Chataim, the Chataim Mamash we're talking about, Urshaim, wicked, real wicked. 
when they should be eliminated from the from the from the land, these wicked people, then I can say the famous words, "Praise you, Hashem." Hallelujah. Now, now, Barachinav she starts off with saying, "I heard this from Yaakov Ades, Rosh Hashiva in Rosh Hashiva in in Israel." Forgot the name of the Shiva, but he was the Rosh Shiva, and he is the Rosh Shiva. And I met him actually in Israel, and he had a night beautiful sefarim, and he said this idea over here: "Barachin Avshi, you have to know, means let my soul bless Hashem." So in other words, and we also say, uh, King David says it in other places. He says, "Halenin Avshi, let my soul bless." Ahalenan Avshi, same idea. It should it should be be happy. My soul should ahalela should bless and praise. Ura Kevodi, awake my glory. Rabbi Miller has a book called "Awake My Glory." Awake my glory. Ura Kevodi, my glory means my soul, my innards, my in, my what, what's making me tick. My kavod, kavodi. That's a piece of Hashem. It should awake my glory. My nitzutz of this glory should be awakened. And what's going on? The King David is talking to himself, meditating. He's talking to his soul. So the rabbi. Kol Yaakov is the name of the Yeshiva. The rabbi of the Kol Yaakov is telling us, you have, you can also access your soul. You can make a tikkunim on yourself by meditating and thinking and talking to yourself, going to corner privately, and you can talk to yourself and access your soul by the Chinefshi. So this, is, this will bring great results. Now, King David continues in the Bar Chinefshi. He says, Oteor Kasama. Literally means He's wearing the light like a cloak. Sama is a cloak. He's peering through the heavens like a curtain. Like a curtain. Like a curtain rod. Peering through the heavens. Through the slats of the curtain. So, what does it mean? It means that when a person comes to you and he's wearing a certain garment, you can tell something about that person. It's oteor kasama. You could tell him because he's advertising. If you see a hashuv person, president, he's wearing presidential clothing, you could tell before he even gets to you all the way, you can tell that he's hashuv because he's wearing very uh, um, important clothing. You could tell from his clothing. But when somebody's looking at you, peering at you from a window of an apartment building, you can't see him and he can see you, but you can't see him. You can't tell anything about him. You don't know who even even that he's looking at you. So sometimes, sometimes you can see, you can see the wisdom and kindness and power of Hashem in this world by these creations in the world. You can see Hashem. You can see Hashem in his in his in his wisdom, power, kindness in the way he runs the world, in the sun, the moon, the stars. How about your your skin, your eyes, your ears, all the things that are around you? You got to examine yourself. You can see all those. All those you could see something, a lot of things about the maker, the maker that made all those things. So you could say that's like his garment. And you could see it in this world. All that in this world. Hashem created the uh the world, the am created with a he and a yud. The he you can hear sometimes, Isha. You could hear the he. The yud when it's in the middle of the word, you can't hear anything about it. So it means that you can see Hashem in this world by his by his Manifestations by his actions, by his creations, but olam ba, olam You can't see olam from this world, not at all, because that's it's ayn uh, roata. Nobody ever saw 
Olamaban came back. So now, um, got that. at the end of the Tehillim, King David says, Anochi esmach Hashem. I'll be happy in Hashem. What does that mean, happy in Hashem? Is he, is, is, what does it mean, in Hashem? So Rabbi explains, Bahashem means it happy in all the things that Hashem is giving me and doing for me. So I have to see, notice them, and see how good they are, and thank Hashem and be happy. Be happy in all the, in Hashem, in all the things that Hashem is giving me and doing for me. Now, our parasha is full of lessons of Derech Eretz. Derech Eretz Kadmala Torah. That's what we've been learning here, Sefer Bereshit. It's all the preparation for Matan Torah. As we know, there's only three mitzvot in the whole Sefer Bereshit, but there's many, many lessons of Derech Eretz. Derech Eretz means good character. And that is a big giant mitzvah of the Torah, is to refine your character. And that's one of the reasons why we're getting mitzvot. Mitzvot le'saref et ha'beriot. We're going to have mitzvot coming up in Sefer Shemot. We'll have more of them. We had three of them here. Our parasha, in our Sefer, they're le'saref et ha'beriot. To refine people. And the main refinement is, is, ha'kovesh uh, et yitzro. That's the main refinement, by the way. Ezehu gibor ha'kovesh et yitzro. Self-control. Self-control is what all the mitzvot are teaching us to do, amongst other things. They're teaching you you can't self-control. You can't do what you want to do. You have to have self-control. You can't have ice cream right away after you have steak. Self-control. You can't, uh, you got to be careful. You can't take something that doesn't belong to you. That's self-control. You can't just open your mouth and say mean things to somebody. You got to have self-control. So, there's many, many things you have to have self-control when it comes to your own health. You can't just go uh, uh, skydiving. You can't say it's my body. Self-control. You can't do that. It's putting yourself in danger. You're not allowed to do that. That's called self-control. So, so we are we are learning that derech eretz kadmala Torah. That's a lot of it. Derech eretz. A lot of it is self-control, and and of course you have a self-control from the sechel, and you have a self-control from the Torah, and you have self-control that we're learning from our great Abot and our great Imahot that Hashem put in, 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 in Sefer Bereshit in order for us to learn, at least we should learn self-control and also chesed, kindliness, and yirat shamayim, and all these great found, fundamental principles, foundations that we have in Sefer Bereshit. Of course, we're learning them from the greatest, the Abot and the Imahot. Now, we know last week's parasha. We lost two of the greatest people that ever lived, certainly Abraham and Sarah. And we, Abraham and Sarah, were the foundation of our great nation. And we have hakarata tov to them till today. Abraham and Sarah, the father and mother of the Jewish people. And the truth of the matter is that the Rambam tells us about the Abot and that all of the good, all of the, all of the beracha, all the blessing that we, that the Jewish nation has, and all the blessing we ever had, and all the all the blessing we're ever going to have, it's only on the zechut of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Ki edati, because I love them. Not only did I love Abraham, I love Yitzhak and Yaakov as well. Ki edati means all of them. Why? Because they're going to command their children after them. And certainly Yaakov commanded all of the, all of the shevatim, the ten tribes, after him. And even then you see it going further than to Yosef and his children. 
and to, to lech bederech Hashem, to go on the ways of Hashem. And Rambam explains, midot tobot, midot tobot. That's the A number one thing that Hashem is looking for first. You have to be a mensch. You have to be, you have to have, you have to have, make sure people like you, and you have to be decent, is the word, Rabbi Miller. I was reading it last night in the Mesilai Shanim book. You got to be a decent man, a decent fellow. Now, of course, we're talking about decent according to the, uh, the tenets and the direction of our Torah. You got to be decent. Okay. So now, the focus of the Torah now, and the Spirit of Hashem is uh, hovering, and now it's focusing now on its Nivka. Now, of course, we, we already said that uh, we had five parashiyot, a lot of parashiyot, Abraham Abinu, of course, he is the Amudoshel Olam. He is Nesi Elokim. He is the, he's the greatest of the greats. Right? Abraham Abinu. So Hashem is focusing a lot of his mind on him, his thoughts on him. He's the foundation of us all. Now, we're going to go focus on Yitzhak. Yitzhak was the number one student of Abraham Abinu. He inherited all the, the traits and the tenets and the Torah, and he worked very hard on it. Everything Abraham did, Yitzhak did. Yitzhak was the inheritor of everything. He inherited everything that Abraham Abinu had. Everything, all of his, all of his house, all of his wealth, all of his everything, his connection with Hashem. So that's who we're talking about. Torah is talking about Yitzhak and Ribka. Now, Torah is telling us right off the bat that Yitzhak, well, we know he, he got married at 40 years old. And uh, and for 20 years, they couldn't have children. Yitzhak and Rivka couldn't have children for 20 years. That's a long time, 20 years. And they were trying very hard. They were trying hard. They knew that the future of the Kali Amisael was going to be in their hands. Of course, it's not in their hands. It's in the, All you got to do is try. That's called Hishtadlut. What's going to happen is not up to you. Hishtadlut means I'm going to You have freedom of action. That's called freedom of action. Free freedom, free will means freedom of action, but not freedom of results. The results are up to Hashem. Your freedom of action is hishtadlut. I gotta try. I gotta try very hard. I gotta try very, very, very hard. And at the same time, we have to know that it's all it's all Hashem. It's all up to him. I'm trying very hard. Hashem wants me to try as hard as I can. But at the same time, the, the contradiction is, so to speak, you have to keep on your mind that it's not me. I'm trying hard, but it's not me. Okay? So that, that's something we have to keep in, in mind. It takes work. And at the end of the day, the results are up to Hashem. As much as hard as you're going to try, you're only going to be successful if Hashem wants you to be successful. The results are up to Hashem. So you got to pray for that. You need prayer. So they, for 20 years, they couldn't have any children. And they were praying their eyes out. They're praying very, very hard, and and uh, and they and they have to know they went lehit palel. Now, what does it mean lehit palel? The word lehit palel is a very important word because we do it every time we're going lehit palel tefillah lehit palel. Now, the word lehit palel, the root of the word is pilel. Pilel means to think. panecha lo filalti. We have that going to have that coming up uh, later on by Yosef Yaakov, when Yosef becomes the becomes the uh, the uh, second in command in Egypt, and he was missing for uh, many years. I think it was uh, seventeen years or so, and Yaakov thought he was dead. Finally, Yaakov comes. In, he was uh, 
reunited with Yosef, but Yaakov says, Re'e panecha lo filalti. I think it was, Re'e panecha lo filalti, it means, I never thought. Pilel means to think. And Kolos tells us, Machashava, Chashavti. Rashi tells you the same thing. Lo chashavti. I never thought I would see you again. So we see, Pilel means to think. And Lehit Palel means to cause yourself to think. So now we have a new definition of Lehit Palel. It doesn't mean to pray. It means to think. So to cause yourself, how do you cause yourself to think? There's a means to an end. The end is to think. And the means is the Amidah, the Tefillah, the prayers. The prayers are there to cause yourself to think about Hashem. That's the idea. To think about Hashem. That's Lehit Palel. Cause yourself to think about Hashem. And that's the way... Again, Yirat Shamayim. Yirat Shamayim means awareness of Hashem. And we have to know that Hashem, the, the Gemara tells us, Hashem is mit'aveh sadikim. Now that needs explanation. Hashem is desirous for the tefillah of the sadikim. Ah, so even, even as far as over here, they have Rivka and Yitzhak, they were suffering. They, 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 they couldn't have any children. It took them 20 years of prayers. To get so, why didn't Hashem give it to them in, right away in the first year? First, when he prayed right away, give it to them. Why wait twenty years? It's a big question. Is Hashem is mean? Is he cruel? Has for shalom? He's he's making them wait twenty years? No. Hashem the answer is Hashem mit shel sadikim. Hashem is desirous for the prayers of sadikim. Why is that? So Hashem is desirous. Is he going to make? He's going to make the sadikim uh, pray for twenty years for that? The answer is. Hashem is our father. And a father, our father, wants the children to become better and better and better. Perfection from the children. Wants perfection. The father wants to see the child come home with all A's on the report card. All, all A's. When he comes home with all A's, that's not only nachat ruach for the father. He gets a lot of pleasure from that. But it's also, certainly it's very good for the child. He's getting all A's in his, in his studies. He's studying real good. So Hashem is, this, is, is the same thing. He is desirous for the tefillatem when, it, because when when the sadiq is mitpalel, he's praying, he's gaining benefit, he's gaining more irat shemaim, more awareness of Hashem, and that is his perfection. So praying is his perfection. Beseeching Hashem for his needs is his perfection. So that brings a pleasure to Hashem because he sees that his child and his children are improving. They are becoming more perfect because they are they are continuing with fervor and with more and more strength to beseech Hashem for their needs. It means they believe that there's a Hashem out there that can fulfill all their needs. You got that? That's the, that's the point. When a person prays, what is he doing? He's, he's showing himself and Hashem that this person believes with full heart that there's somebody out there, there's Hashem out there that is listening and can do everything for him. Otherwise, he wouldn't waste his time praying. And the harder he prays, the more he is, is embedding that emunah in his gut, in his soul. He's embedding it. So Hashem was prodding Yitzhak and Rivka and giving them more impetus to become very perfect. He did it with Abraham also, Abraham and Sarah. They did it with all the great people. Does it till today. He's doing it all the time, Hashem. Not, 
not making people suffer because he doesn't like them, because mitaber etfilatam sheil sadikim. That's a very big principle. Okay. But now, these babies, so Rivka finally gets pregnant, they are rumbling in her stomach, these babies, and she's not sure if they're twins or not, two or one, she doesn't, she doesn't know, no sonograms in those days. And she went to go to the rabbi, she went to go to the Sadiq. Hashem is the Sadiq. And she she does, she's giving us a model. This is Derech Ere. The model is when, when something's bothering us physically, emotionally, Shalom Bayit, children problems, whatever it is, you have to follow the model. But you got to go to the rabbi. You got to go to the holy rabbi. First of all, you got to believe in rabbis, that they're holy rabbis. Go to a good rabbi. Go to a rabbi that's maybe a Rosh Hashiva rabbi. Rabbi Milo would always say, the rabbis today, the, the rabbis today are the Rosh Hashiva. Rosh Hashiva, that's the rabbis. That's the Gadol Hador. That's the Eneha Eda. The eyes of the congregation that's the Rosh Hashiva. So you could try to call up the Rosh Hashiva to go see him. But if you're close with the rabbi of your kahal, or you have a rabbi that you're learning with, or you have a rabbi that you feel that he is your rabbi, so certainly you can go to talk to, talk to him as well. Talk to him first. He's your rabbi. He, why? Because he knows you. If that rabbi knows you, then it's it's kedai to talk to the rabbi. So anyway, Rivka went to the Gadol Hador. He went to uh, Shem ben Noach, Shem and Ever, to the Beit Midrash. And she, she said, I need your help. I need to know what's going on over here. I have this uh, pain, terrible pain, and uh, I don't know what to do. And as the Midrash tells us, when I go past the, I go past the yeshiva, one, I got a kick on one side, I go past the, 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 the Beit Abu Dazara, I got a kick on the other side. And of course, she was afraid it was one baby, schizophrenic, at, uh, you know, split personality. But anyway, the, the, the rabbi gave her good news. He said, look, you have two babies. Shnei guim bebitnech. You have two nations in your stomach. And these two great nations in your stomach. You got, you got two for the price of one. That's a big thing. Tremendous. Actually, these, these two great nations became the Jewish nation and the nation of the of the Goyim all over the world. And we also know you have the nation of Ishmael, which is the, which came from Abraham Abinu. So from, the, from Abraham and Yitzhak, he got the all the Arabs, all the Goyim, and all the Yehudim. I don't know where, then, I don't know, you have, uh, maybe you have the Chinese left. I don't know where they, where they come from. But in any case, we are studying now Esav and Yaakov. So, so he says, now the Danavi gives Rivka inside information. He gets the inside information now. It says, and the older one is going to serve the younger one. That means that the younger one is more special than the older one, because the older one's going to serve the younger one. Of course, Yitzhak had his own plan. Yitzhak felt that, the, well, if the, he knew that too later on, but he said, you know, if if I can get the older one and younger one to to to, co- to cooperate together, you're going to have a panacea. You're going to have a great, a great government. When the older one and the younger one cooperate, even though the old, the younger one is the, is the mochashuv, but the older one cooperates with the younger one, maybe the older one's going to to bring in the Parnassah, and the younger one's going to bring in the spirituality a little bit more, like Yisachar B'Zebulun, Yisachar had that plan that that this is going to be 
Olam in this world. That's what Yitzhak planned. It was a good plan too. Yitzhak came up with a plan for sure it was a good plan. Only that's not the way things turned out. So that's Hashem. People have plans and Hashem runs the world. Um, so over here, I just want to bring you to a certain idea that Rashi brings out. Rav Yavod Sa'ir. Rav Yavod Sa'ir is a tremendous prophecy. Tremendous prophecy. And it was fulfilled even 2,000 years later. 2,000 years later. And Rashi mentions it in, in the Rashi right there. He says, Rav Yavod Sa'ir is also an allusion to Antoninus and Rabbi Yudahanasi. Antoninus. Marcus Aurelius Antoninus. Now Marcus Aurelius Antoninus was a Roman Caesar. Now, Bedetaklal, in general, the Roman Caesars were the cruelest, uh, most uh, despicable people on the face of this earth. They killed people at the drop of a hat. Drop of a hat. They just crushed people. Roman Caesars were very, very bad. Debased, debased people. They're full of, they, had, they had power in their hands, and they uh, were very cruel, cruel people. They destroyed, they just, they were very, they, they destroyed the Betamidash. Um, but over here, this particular man, the Caesar, Marcus Aurelius Antoninus, he's, he's in Masechet Sanhedrin, the Gemara talks about him. This man was a very special man, and uh, he, was the, he, was the, he was a benevolent Caesar. He was a kind, so to speak, benevolent Caesar. He's listed as one of the five greatest or seven greatest uh, Caesars that ever lived. And he ruled for at least at least 20 years. Most of these Caesars didn't rule for 20 days. They were stabbed in the back. Julius Caesar was stabbed. All these guys were stabbed and killed uh, by their own people. And um, But this man here, he was actually the son. He was an adopted son. I'm Antoninus Pius. Antoninus Pius was a philosopher. He was also a benevolent kind of a Caesar. And he was um, and he was a Caesar over there. And he, and he adopted this uh, Antonino, Antoninus. Marcus Aurelius, and he became Caesar uh, under his father. Now, this man here, story goes that uh, he was going his uh, Rabbi Udanasi when he was a little baby, an infant. They had a uh, decree in the land: no Jewish babies can have a circumcision, none of them. So, but his father, and mother, they did it anyway. So he was going down to; they had to go down to uh, to Rome, and they were afraid they're gonna they're gonna check him if he had a circ- if he had a circumcision. They're gonna kill him. So they stopped by a hotel, an inn, and they stopped by the parents of Marcus Aurelius Antoninus. And these kind parents, they said, you know something, let me help you out. Why don't you switch, we'll switch babies. This Marcus Aurelius was the same age. And switch babies, you'll take our baby, Marcus Aurelius, who didn't have a circumcision. And that's what happened. And the, and the Rabbi Udanasi's life was saved. Later on in his life, he went down, to, he was the leader of the Jewish people. And he went down to Rome to petition the, the senator, Rabbi Antoninus was a senator at the time for the benefit of the Jewish people, and they became very good friends, best friends actually, best friends. In any case, this Antoninus, he actually became a convert. They say, the Midrash says he even made circumcision on himself, but he couldn't tell anybody because uh, he would have been killed for that just for those reasons uh, in Rome. And he, he wrote a book he wrote a lot of books, a bunch of books. But one book we have is called Meditations. The Meditations of Marcus Aurelius, really a book of philosophy. And if you look in that book, you're going to see a lot of ideas uh, that he got or gleaned from Rabbi Udanasi, such as uh, that there's uh, Olam Abba, there's Achan and Onesh, and other terrific ideas that he got from the great rabbi. 
Um, the truth of the matter is, when I first met Rabbi Victor Miller in 1984, I uh, never had never met him before, but I knocked on his door, and uh, he answered the door, and he said, uh, yes, can I help you? So I told him I had been listening to his uh, recordings uh, that summer, and I was very uh, enlightened by it. I was excited by them, and, uh, and uh, you know, I was trying to show him that I had a lot of big interest in the rabbi, and I'm looking, I was looking forward to pursuing that interest. So I wanted to make a real bang impression on him, so I told him, Rabbi, you know, I read that book, Meditations of Marcus Aurelius. So then he opened his eyes wide and he said, You read that book? I said, uh, I thought I did something wrong. You know, I said, Rabbi, you said in the tape that you could read that book, that he that Marcus Aurelius, he was the best friend of Rebbe, and, he, and actually he gave credit, Rabbi Miller gave credit to Marcus Aurelius for all of the Torah Ba'apeh, the Mishnah and the Gemara, everything, all that he gave credit to Marcus Aurelius and Toninos because he stopped the decree in the land to learn Torah, and he also financed Rebbe with millions of dollars in order to put together the Mishnah, Torah Ba'apeh. So I told him I read. He, then he he took out his. He says he said nobody ever told me they read that book. So the rabbi saw I was serious, and we became good friends ever since. Now, in our parasha, we see that Esav Esav was not a lightweight. You have to know Esav was not a, a yo-yo. Esav was the grandson of Abraham Avinu. He learned with him till he was fifteen years old, and he was the son of Isaac Avinu. He also learned with Yitzhak. Until 15, they couldn't tell the difference between Yitzhak, between, between uh, Esav and Yaakov. They were all on the dead at the same way, until they were 15. Now, now, one day, Esav was coming out from the field, the Ayef. Ayef, he was weary. So, the rabbi writes over here, he said, uh, he was hungry. He was starving. But here, the weariness is emphasized. Also, in the following verse, Esav says, For I am weary. We discern the importance of this fact in this episode. It was Hashem's plan to cause unusual weariness to Esav on that day. What happened that day? Abraham Abinu had passed away, which is why Yaakov was cooking lentils, since this was the traditional mourner's meal. When Esav heard the bad news, his mind was pushed off balance, and he became greatly disheartened. Esav felt, because Abraham was such a huge personage, he was a huge uh, personality, that that Esav, you know, he was flawed. We would have been flawed too when we were learning we were in front of Abraham Abinu, was uh, like a, an angel in this world, Abraham Abinu. So, so when Esav heard that he was passed away, he, it bothered him a lot. He said, he, if he felt that since such a great Sadiq could die, it must mean that the world was devoid of just let dim let dayan chas shalom. He said, it must be there's no justice in this world and there's no judge. Because if there was a judge and justice, Abraham wouldn't have died. Now, if not for this weariness, the dejection, dejection, this depression, Esav could not consent to surrender his prized birthright, which carried not only the honor and privilege, but also the opportunity to earn merit in the service of Hashem, which was the prerogative of the Bechor. See, the birthright, the Bechorah, was like the Kohen Gadol ship. He was like the Kohen Gadol in the Bet Midash. So, that was, that's why the Esav is brought to task when he says, He despised the birthright. He doesn't want to be involved in Abu Hashem. 
He felt he saw later on that the, those, those ones that are involved with that, they're going to go down to Egypt. They're going to have, if they make a mistake in the Beit HaMikdash, they're going to be killed. It was too tough for him. He felt it was too tough to get involved with that. And I want to, I want to give it up. He gave up the Bechorah. In those days, the Bechor was the chosen people, Bechor. Later on, it was changed to the Leviim. From the Bechorim to the Leviim. Because the Bechorim were involved with the Egel, if you recall, and the Leviim were not. Now, the rabbi writes, in a discouraged mood, men may forget Olam Abba. They forget the world to come. And even the glory of status and privilege might be carelessly exchanged for a momentary gratification. So he's telling you here that Yeush, meaning uh, discouragement or depression, is the worst form of Yetzirah there is. Because in that, in that state, a person can do can carelessly exchange, can do anything. It can, it can exchange something for momentary gratification. It was Esav, it was when Esav was in a discouraged mood that he made this terrible error by selling everything for a bag of beans. He sold his whole future for lentil soup. Discouragement and de- depression are the most extreme forms of the Yetzirah. Therefore, we must be careful to stay far away from this state of mind and remove ourselves from it quickly, since it makes us susceptible to fall into the Yetzirah. An additional teaching is that we should refrain from making any decision when in a mood of weariness or de- dejection or depression. Wait for a more opportune time with a positive frame of mind to formulate your choice. The rabbi would also say like this, he would say, you know, it's like a person has the hiccups. When you have the hiccups, if you get rid of it right away, it's easier. You can hold your breath, count to 10, count to 20, take a glass of water. Uh, those stratagems, they, they work. And you, especially at the, at the beginning stages of hiccups, you get rid of the hiccups. But if you let it linger, let it linger, the hiccups, you let it linger. And then it becomes much more difficult to get rid of the hiccups, much more difficult. Same thing with uh, this state of dejection, state of depression, the state of mind where it, it, it's... It's a yeush. It's a it's a giving up kind of state of mind. At, at the beginning, you can get rid of it much easier, much easier. The rabbi would say, sometimes you just can take ten deep breaths of fresh air. Go out today, nice and crisp out today. Go out and take ten deep breaths. You can take more if you want. Take some deep breaths of fresh air, deep ones. <sighs> he says that's may, maybe all it's going to take in order to pick up your spirits. Because that will oxygenate your blood, he would say. You bring oxygen in your blood, and that will pick up your spirits. And he says, if you need a little bit more than that, like we said today in the Barachin Afshi, he said, And wine will gladden the heart of person. So he said, you may take a little half a cup of wine. I'm not talking about being going to the bar and drinking, uh, drinking a little, little cup of, half a cup of wine it may be enough to pick up your spirits. Other rabbis have said, you know, you do something on the outward, outward action will uh, ignite your inward feelings. You can go buy yourself an ice cream cone with sprinkles on it. Maybe go buy yourself a, uh, a new shirt. Also, could pick up your spirits on the inside. So, so that was a couple of stratagems. That we, the main thing is not to stay in that state of mind where, where you're in a, in a dejected state of mind because you're susceptible, certainly, to the Yetzirah who wants to kick you when you're down. Now, we have to know that 
Yitzhak Avinu was the greatest man in the world, and yet he was fooled. The question is, how could Yitzhak have been fooled? Now, some people want to say, well, you know, he was blind. Hashem blinded, Yitzhak was blind, so he couldn't see. He was blind to certain things, but Yitzhak Avinu, could, he was a, a prophet. He could see through a brick wall. He could touch your hand and know who you are. So to say that answer is not really an answer. So what are some of the factors that led up to the fact that Yitzhak was fooled? That's a big question. That's the question. So the rabbi in one of the books says like this. He says, big lesson of the parasha is that this world is a world of error. Choshech. Tashet choshech vehi layla. It says it all in the Barachin Avshi. Hashem brings choshech and it's like night. It's a world of darkness in which the truth is disguised and sometimes generations can pass before it's recognized. Such is the case with Esav. To Yitzhak, Esav had all the signs of being the leader. Oh, he had all the signs. He was ennobled with many exemplary qualities. First, he was born first. He was energetic. And he was a go-getter. His parents marveled at his energy. He was self-reliant. He was a hunting and supplying provisions for the family. As a child, he was already a man. He was grown with a full head of hair. He was like a man, the guy. And he was also born with a ruddy complexion, a very strange kind of a birth. Like King David had a red, red, reddish complexion. No one knew the secret that Yaakov would receive the birthright. Nobody knew the secret. Yitzhak didn't know the secret, except for Yivkrivka, because she went to inquire of Hashem. Hashem. But, and she kept it a secret. Right? The, 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 the prophet told her, the young one, the Rav Yavod Sa'id, the older one's going to serve the younger one. But she didn't tell her husband. That's another question. Well, one answer is, because her husband was the biggest prophet in the world. So she said, if Hashem wanted to him to know about it, Hashem would tell him himself. What about Shalai? It's a chutzpah. It's, it's, it's not proper for me. It's a, it's, a, it's a denigration for me to go and tell Yitzhak that, that, I, that something that I heard from the prophet, that, that the prophet, because Hashem should have told him himself. So, so that was another thing. She kept it a secret. Yitzhak was also not a person that could be fooled. He intended to give the blessing to Esav, another reason because of Hakarat Tatov. Esav was feeding him, he was polite, and all that all that stuff. So as out of gratitude, appreciation, that innate greatness in, 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 in Yitzhak was another reason why he wanted to give the blessings to Esav. Esav was polite. He was an impressive man. He was learning most of what his parents taught. If Esav walked in right now, the rabbi said, we will all stand up for him. Esav was good, but the problem was, uh, here's the problem, he wasn't good enough coming from such a great family. More was expected of him. And what about us? More was expected of us too? When Yitzhak gave the berachah to whom he thought was Esav, he gave it with a full heart. He gave it to Yaakov with a full heart. However, when it was revealed to him, his error, Yitzhak, he trembled, trembled greatly, a very, very great trembling. It was a great terror to the point of convulsions, for Yitzhak had been convinced that the future would say, Elohe Abraham, Elohe Yitzhak, Elohe Esav, the God of Esav. Yitzhak didn't know it was to be Yaakov. Therefore, it was at this moment that Yitzhak realized that the world is a world of darkness, illusion, Hoshech, 
you made darkness and it became night, like we said in the Berachin uh, This is Olam Hazeh. It's compared to dark, it's compared to night. Olam Hazeh is compared to night. Now, we have to take this to heart, all of us, that everything out there is an illusion. It looks like this, it smells, it smells good, it looks good. It's a night of illusion. So how, how are we going to get around that? We have to have the right glasses on. You have to have the glasses of Torah. You have to have the glasses of Musar. You have to have the glasses of a rabbi. You have to have the glasses of Tochicha, enlightenment, somebody that could tell you, tell you what's doing. This was the drama planned out by Hashem for us, to let us know that the world is compared to a place of darkness, where things are not all what they appear to be. Our judgments of, our judgments of those around us can be mis- greatly mistaken. However, for a person to know by himself is virtually impossible. Being blind to our own flaws, we could live our lives being self-assured of who we are and appear before Hashem on that great day of judgment and be painfully surprised at the truth. Woe to us on that day, because we're going to think, we think we're pretty good, but now Hashem's going to lift the curtain and show us what the real truth is. Yitzhak was able to rectify his error. Baruch Hashem. But for many, the discovery of the truth occurs when the possibility of tikkun has been lost. After a person passes away, he can't make the tikkun. A man must labor to know himself, and the only way to know himself is through Torah and Musar. We are obligated to learn the, the models of the Torah, to learn of the great men who went lost. A lot of great men went lost. Achitofel, you are, you are, um, Doega Adomi, you have, uh, um, you have, uh, the great great king um, of of Israel went went lost went lost because they went bad they lost their ulama ba because there was a crack in their character and they didn't know themselves only through the study of Torah we'll be able to know ourselves for the Torah is the light meant to illuminate the minds of men in order for them to see the truth have a great day.